Welcome back to Biblical Book Review. I'm Kevin. I'm Alec. And I'm George. We are so happy you are joining us for today's study. Last week in our study of the training of the Twelve, we were in Chapter 7, Section 2, Spiritual Washings. Now we are going into Section 3. What does Section 3 have to offer of Chapter 7, George? Well, A.B. Bruce is going to describe the instances where Jesus and his disciples were accused of not observing the Sabbath. One of the Ten Commandments, fourth one, and it was one of those deals where Jesus doesn't even talk about, really, the commandment, but he says, you've got, you've got it all upside down. You're doing everything exactly wrong, and obviously my disciples are not going to be participating. And so his, his answers to their questions about his work on the Sabbath is going to be answered, and Jesus, of course, uh, takes them to task uh, with their particular traditions and all the things that they would be loading up on the people to get them to follow uh, their particular tradition. So Jesus is going to answer the question, why do your disciples not observe the Sabbath? I had the uh, realization that throughout this chapter, all these different things that Jesus does, he gets attacked for. He's always being attacked. His followers are being attacked. And it's the same today. We are constantly being attacked for being followers of Christ. It's not going to change. So if you want to have a peaceful life where people leave you alone, well, don't follow Christ because they're coming after you. <laughs> yeah, and, and par for the course here with the, the Pharisees, the, the Jewish leaders of the day, they've really kind of botched everything. <laughs> they've taken a, a commandment of God and twisted it into their own traditions and their own ways and flipped it into something that it was never intended to be. And Jesus confronts them on it and gives them the lesson of, okay, this is what it was supposed to be. This is why it was given to us, and this is how we should observe it properly according to the commandments of God, not the traditions of men. And so this idea that Jesus uh, is called to task for not following uh, the traditions of the leaders, the leaders of the day, uh, Jesus is going to say, you know what, there's something about the work that we do on the Sabbath day that is something that's required. And A.B. Bruce is going to basically break it down there at the bottom of page 88. He's going to break it down into two categories, the works of mercy and the work of necessity. And so Jesus says the intent of the Sabbath wasn't to eliminate work completely. It was uh, to give you uh, this day off, basically, to take care of yourself, both physically and spiritually, emotionally, all those things where it's like, this is the reason for it. And obviously, there's going to be some times when you have to do something for mercy's sake. And then there are other times when you just have to do something. There's there's going to be something uh, kind of happen during the day, that particular day, that seventh day, that you're going to have to take care of. You're going to have to work. And it's not that uh, all work is evil, as the uh, Pharisees, those elders and those leaders of, of the law were, were trying to push, but it's like, here's, here's, the, here's the way we observe the Sabbath and the reason it's here. And Jesus says, of course, there's going to be works of mercy, and of course, there's going to be work of necessity. And so his disciples 
even though they're called into task. And it's, it's so, it's almost, it's not almost, it's, it's ludicrous, it's ridiculous. They're just walking along and they, they reach down and they pluck uh, some, some heads of, of maybe wheat or corn or whatever it is and they, they kind of peel off some food and they're just kind of snacking down the road and that's what they're called to task for. That's work, according to the Pharisees, according to those elders and leaders of the law. There's like, that's, that's work? They're just, they're hungry. <laughs> they need to eat. And so that's uh, interesting. Jesus, and it, I, I find it interesting that A.B. Bruce also uh, lists the, the six different times when uh, this particular offense is actually recorded in the gospel history five of those six times Jesus is the offender and then this last time uh, where his disciples uh, were the objects of this particular uh, problem and it's like okay of all the things that you're going to call me to task for picking a couple of uh, ears of corn or some some wheat and and kind of plucking them out of the ground and and then chewing on them as I walk down the road that's that's what you got that's what that's what's making you mad and it's really ludicrous. It's ridiculous to even think that this would be an offense. Well, it just shows you where their hearts are, right? Something that stupid becomes such a big deal. That's exactly where their hearts are. They don't, they don't care about why they have this the day of rest. They just care that you're following these rules. And it's, it reminds me of something from the military called mandatory fun. You have to have fun. You have to show up to this Christmas party and if you don't have fun, oh man, you watch out. We're going to do PT twice as hard on Monday, right? Have to have fun. Well, do you think we really had fun at mandatory fun days? Not really. It was not fun. But we acted like we had fun. Yeah, this is fun. This is great, right? Well, no. This is kind of where this has gotten with the Sabbath. It's supposed to be a good thing. You're supposed to enjoy this. But now it's become so overruled that it is no longer a good thing. Yeah, and, the, and these Pharisees, they're just, they're just itching to find a problem. They, they cannot stand toe-to-toe with Jesus and when he, when he speaks and what he has to say and his wisdom and what he's doing. And so they're just, you can just see them just kind of standing on the outskirts, just kind of waiting for anything to catch them in. And just the littlest offense, you know, grabbing the the heads of the grain and rubbing it in your hands, like ah, gotcha. You know, you're you're going down for this. This is the worst thing that could you ever do. You're working on the Sabbath day. You're breaking the fourth commandment. See, you're not God at all. It's like, well, that's <laughs> yeah, like you can just see the ridiculousness. And and A. B. Bruce describes this as you know this ridiculousness of uh, where their stance was, and it's just it is ridiculous. Uh, and Jesus, you know. Calls him to task on it and basically says, yeah, you, you've misunderstood the entire purpose of what the Sabbath day was uh, from the beginning. And I'm going to teach you what it really means. This is what it really means. And there's some, there's some cases uh, where, yeah, we're going to work. And he's going to give some examples. He's going to give some things. And it never was a absolute no working whatsoever on the Sabbath. It was intended as a day of rest. For your benefit. And their habit, these uh, rulers of the law, their, their habit, A.B. Bruce says, was to degrade God's law. And what a, what a horrible habit to be in by framing innumerable petty rules 
for its better observance, which, instead of securing that end, only made the law appear base and contemptible. And so, instead of making something uh, as important as the fourth commandment and keeping the day holy, they actually made it unholy and contemptible. And their habit, it degraded God's law. And it's so sad to think that these guys were the actual spiritual leaders of the day. And so Jesus is looking at these 12 men, these disciples who are going to be apostles. He says, now I'm going to teach you how to really be a leader. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a task. It's going to be work and it's going to have to be, uh, you're going to have to stand alone, but you can be the leader and I'll show you how to do it correctly. And so uh, as A.B. Bruce goes back in the history of, of the uh, first century there, and he says, you know, instead of, uh, you know, following the intent of the law and doing something that is beneficial for you uh, physically, and then you can look to God in thanksgiving and look to him and say, we're so grateful that you've provided all these things for us. Instead of doing that, they considered it their duty to make the Sabbath day a day of feasting and good cheer. And so instead of looking to God and looking to him for for guidance and kind of having that moment where they can just spiritually kind of take a moment and just reflect on all the blessings that God has done and and worship him and do the things that that are right and proper, they made it into a big party day. And there's evidence of that in some other writings that are extra biblical that are outside the Bible that that speak of it. And people even complain that these Jews, these so-called followers of God, were just making a habit of, of having a party and making it a weekly holiday instead of what it was do- designed to do. And so Jesus is going to bring the intent, the original intent, back into the, into the light, into the limelight, and say, okay, here's, here's what it really means, and this is what we really want to see when we make this fourth commandment. Yeah, and I like the way that uh, A.B. Bruce writes this. He's he's quoting from a uh, you know a contemporaneous writer there uh, from the the Jewish time, and in their in their own contemporary things. And he says the habit of feasting had grown to a great abuse in the days of Augustine. It appears from the description he gives of the mode in which contemporary Jews celebrated their weekly holiday. Today, he writes, is the Sabbath, which the Jews at the present time keep in loose luxurious ease, for they occupy their leisure in frivolity. And whereas God commanded a Sabbath, they spend it in those things which God forbids. Our rest is from evil works, theirs is from good works, for it is better to plow than to dance. They rest from good work, they rest not from idle work. <laughs> it reminds me of a story that you have when you used to work for the the Jewish people for their Sabbath. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, you used to have to serve on them because they couldn't work. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I used to work for a catering company, and because I was a heathen, you know, <laughs> they could hire me on a Saturday, uh, and I would work in uh, Jewish, uh, you know, synagogues, and I would uh, cook food and do different things for their um, events there at the at the synagogues. And some of the ridiculous rules that they would have were, just that, just kind of ridiculous. Uh, I was allowed to, uh, for for instance, we were allowed to prep all of the food and do all of the food prep, but we weren't allowed to like plug the oven in and, and turn the oven on until a certain time in the day. 
And so we would all be sitting there and, you know, we'd be preparing for uh, a bar mitzvah or something and there'd be a band, uh, you know, out there practicing, but they weren't allowed to plug in their uh, electric instruments and they would, oh, we'd all be doing acoustic practicing and all of us cooks would have everything prepped. And then once the sun set, we could plug everything in and go. But it's like, what, what, <laughs> how does this help at all uh, for the Sabbath to refocus us to anything? I mean, it was just, just so many stories, but just, that's just yeah. one of them. Well, and I believe that this is kind of where Jesus is going. It's going from the day for the Jews now to day for everyone, right? He's making this into the, the purposes. Yeah, this was your day that you've ruined. Now I'm going to make it a day where everyone gets to participate. And so when Jesus answers the questions that we've read in the first parts of these, uh, these first two sections of chapter seven, the fasting, it's voluntary. If you want to fast, that's on you. You can fast. And these ceremonial washings, well, there's, there's a particular reason. There's a, there's a reason for these washings, but we really are concerned about the inward man, that spiritual purity that's from within. But these acts, these acts of, of Sabbath observance, these, the interpretation that the Pharisees had of keeping the Sabbath was completely wrong, and Jesus completely rejects their interpretation. And he says, now here's the original design. The Sabbath, the bottom of page 91 of, of A.B. Bruce's book, it says the Sabbath was meant to be a boon to man, not a burden. And what has happened with the Pharisees, with these elders, they have made it into such a burden that has it has become <clears throat> contemptible. And so the people that are supposed to be following God are just throwing up their hands and saying, it's impossible, what's the point? There's really no reason to do this. Look at, look at the hypocrites over there having this party. Look at what they're doing. It's, it's ridiculous, and we're just not even going to be a part of it. And that's where this tradition had taken the people not toward God, but away from him. And so this, Jesus says, I reject completely. It's supposed to be something that's a benefit to mankind not some extra burden. And so Jesus says, here's, here's my view. Yeah, and that's what boon means for those who don't understand it like me. Boon is a thing that is helpful or beneficial. And so when you look at Christ's view, you look at his understanding, of course he wrote uh, these Ten Commandments and this particular one, you know, keep the Sabbath day holy. He says, here's the principle. <clears throat> the best way of observing the Sabbath is something that's going to be a benefit for both your physical body, you need rest, and your spiritual well-being. It's best for your body and soul. And this is the reason that God had written that particular commandment to keep this day holy, because we are so thankful for all the things that God has done for us. When the sun comes up in the morning, when uh, the rain falls when the, the seasons change, when the, the family gathers together for a meal, all those things that we are so grateful for, that was the reason for the Sabbath. That's, that's Christ's view. The view for the Pharisees, we're just going to make it almost impossible, not only almost, but impossible to take uh, this into consideration. We can't even follow your rules. They were almost so so far far gone from the original intent that 
people didn't even recognize or realize that the Sabbath would be something beneficial. And of course, when we think about our life, uh, it's, it's great. God's given us abilities and talents to work. And he says, I want, you to, I want you to use your hands. I want you to use your mind. I want you to use those talents I gave you in order to provide for your family and all those things. And so we go and we become uh, professionals in particular fields. And we do these things that, that God has given us uh, the abilities for. But then there's moments when we just need to take a break. We just need a, we need a rest. And we've, even in the United States, we, we call it a weekend. We need a weekend. We need, we need that Friday, Saturday. We need that time when we can spend some time off. And it's good for us mentally, emotionally, uh, physically, uh, and even in, in this particular case, spiritually. And so, obviously, Jesus says, we're going to change the entire outlook of this fourth commandment. I want you to see it the way it was intended it's for your body and soul and the, your well-being. And God says, that's how much I love you. And so keep the Sabbath day holy. You look at the way that they were treating the Sabbath, and I've had several discussions with people today that are, they say they're not religious or they're atheist or agnostic or whatever they want to say they are. And they're, they're one of the main things they use is, well, Religion was designed to control the masses. All those rules are just trying to make you a good person so you can be, you know, tamed and controlled by those in power. And when you look at what the Pharisees were doing at this time with the Sabbath, it's almost along those lines. They had completely lost the context. They were just trying to control people. They were power hungry. They wanted it to be a certain way so they they could say, yes, you're right, or no, you're not, and now we're going to punish you. Yeah, and I find it, you know, uh, interesting, and I've, I've thought of this before, but this uh, his book really kind of uh, brought it to light uh, for me again, this idea of the Sabbath was made for man, not the Sabbath was made for God. And the, the Pharisees had this twisted, they were, they were doing this in their own minds, however <laughs> they were at, to, to serve God in some way that they had... Uh, determined this was what God wanted and this is how he wants his people to behave and all these different things. And they missed the point that the Sabbath was made for their benefit, for their boon. Uh, and they've turned it into this burden. Uh, and it's just this, it's it's self-destructive uh, uh, thinking. And like you're talking about this idea of controlling, they, they needed that control over the people. They needed to be able to look out and say, oh, you're doing this wrong. God's going to be angry. It's like, well, that you've missed the whole point entirely. It's it should be about my uh, benefit uh, and how I can uh, rest, relax, uh, refocus, uh, and be thankful uh, towards God. Not on you know these rules and regulations that God has uh, put onto mankind as this burden. Yeah, it's almost like the person who designed and created us knew that we needed to take a break. <laughs> it's weird. And Jesus, in his answers, as you read the scripture and you go back and read the accounts, those six different times that he's called to task for so-called breaking the Sabbath, he says, is God working? <laughs> and some of the things that I've already mentioned, the idea that the sun is coming up, that the, uh, you know, the earth is still rotating, and it's all the different things that we just take for granted. Is there enough oxygen to breathe? Is my heart still beating? Is, you know, all the different things that that God is doing. Yeah. 
Does gravity work? (laughs) Gravity, everything that we just take for granted. And God's working all the time. And so it's not the idea of we're going to stop all work. Jesus says, God hasn't stopped working. He rested from the activity of creation because he was finished. And that's the idea that God says in the fourth commandment. He says, this is, this is my intent. Rest. It's good for you. And so there's going to be room. And A.B. Bruce says there on page 93, room must be left for acts of necessity and mercy. And we can go to either extreme. We can go, uh, we're going to work, you know, seven days a week. And we're just going to keep working and working and working. You've heard of the, the phrase or the, uh, the term workaholic. And it's like, I, I need to make more. I need to do more. I need to work, work, work. Okay, you can take it to that extreme. Or you can take it to the other extreme like the Jews were doing and say, I'm not going to do any work. And so there's got to be this, this medium, this, this middle ground. And Jesus says, there's, there's time on the Sabbath when work is a necessity. And he even says, if one of your animals, your prized animals, you know, fell in a, in a pit or in a ditch, and are you going to get them out? Well, of course you are. Why? Because it's necessary. And then there's times when it's like, there's, a, there's an act of mercy that needs to occur. And of course, I can, I can take care of that on any day. Mercy doesn't take a holiday. We, we're going to take uh, an opportunity to, to express mercy at any time. And so the ideas that Jesus is going to give in his reason, he says, room must be left for both necessity and mercy. And because of that, this is the, the intent of this fourth commandment. Yeah, there's a reason we have sayings like work yourself to death. I think you just said that one, George. It's because if you don't take a break, you will work yourself to death. We see that with people that die young. Some of them just constantly worked, and they never took a break, and they never took care of themselves. This chapter has highlighted the fact that, hey, you fast. Well, guess what? There's benefits for fasting, right? You wash your hands. Well, guess what? There's benefits for washing your hands. You take a rest day. Guess what? Again, benefits for doing that too. So what I'm taking from this is if we follow God, the creator and the designer of us, and we're following him and we're looking at the scriptures and how we're supposed to live, eating food the way he designed us to, to eat it, not you know messing with it as man has the habit of doing these days, well, guess what? We're going to live longer. And with that, we get to share Christ with more people. I think that's the purpose behind all of this. Live longer, share the word, live healthy. And when Jesus is confronted, he... he uses these three sources. A.B. Bruce describes these and lists these on the bottom of page 93 and top of page 94. He says, here's, here's my answer. I'm going to go back to history. And I love when Jesus will say throughout the Gospels, haven't you read, haven't you read the Bible? <laughs> and I wish, I, I wish there was tone of voice because it's almost like you, exasperation. It's like, seriously, it's been there since it was written, haven't you read it? So he goes back to history, and then he says, there's everyday practice of, of you people, these Pharisees and these elders. He says, you guys do this every single Sabbath. And then he'll say, number three, 
the providence of God. He says, here's, here's my answer, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it with these uh, three elements uh, of evidence. And he says, let's go back in our history. And we go back to the time when, when David is on the run from his uh, ne'er-do-well son, Absalom. And Absalom has, has basically caused an uprising in the entire nation. And David and his family and the entire palace uh, flees for their life and they run out into the wilderness and David's fighting men are kind of surrounding him and they're, they're out there and there's not a, a, a meal to be had. And so where do they go? They find, a, they find a, a, a group of priests and they're changing the bread from the old stale bread from last week and they're replacing it with new fresh bread this week and it's, it happens to be a Sabbath. And the priests give David food. What is the food the priests have? Well, it's, it's the bread of show, that the showbread there in the temple. And it's like, wait, who's supposed to eat that? Well, it's not David. It's not his uh, warriors. Uh, that's against the law. And yet the priests are like, here, eat this. You, you guys are starving. And of course, even in history, we understand you got to eat. <laughs> and David says, we're going to eat. And so Jesus takes them back to that point in their own history. Haven't you read, don't, don't you remember that, the practice of the priests, what they did? All right, so not unlawful. This was something lawful. And so Jesus uses this particular argument. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back to your own history and prove that what my disciples are doing, what I'm doing, it's all lawful. And he continues the next argument. <laughs> he says, this is what you do. And I've already mentioned this, but if one of your animals fell in a hole, you'd dig him out of it. Was that work? Well, not according to you, but you're going to burden the people with your traditions. <laughs> and then the same with healing a sick person. Isn't uh, a person more important than a beast? Of course, a person is. And so, obviously, to do well on the Sabbath day, that is lawful. <clears throat> and I love... I love what A.B. Bruce says there at the bottom of page 94. He says, love is the foundation and fulfillment of all law. And what a, what a great statement. <coughs> Excuse me. The idea that when Jesus is asked in his ministry, what's the greatest commandment? Remember what he said? Love God, all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the foundation of all law. Yeah, and I, I love he also uses the example in you know contemporary time for Jesus' sake. He he looks to the temple and the priests there working on the Sabbath in the temple and says, What are they doing? Well they're they're doing their duty uh, to God in the temple. Uh, is it work? Is it not? Uh, and he's he's pointing out the inconsistencies in their uh, position. Uh, they've set themselves up on this kind of uh, brittle foundation of this is what work is, and it, everything is falls apart if you if you mess this up or if you do anything wrong, and it's just a a problem here and a problem here and a problem here and a problem here. And Jesus points out several from history, from from their own actions, from what's happening in that current day, and says, "Well, here's an here's an exemption. Here's an exemption. Here's an exemption. Here's an exemption." So. So there are obviously exemptions uh, to the law uh, that we understand, and so where are we drawing the line? And and the the love part is 
is the foundation. We're, we're drawing it on love is Jesus' argument. Are we doing things? Where's our heart? Are we doing things because they're necessary to do? Are we doing things because we have mercy and love and compassion and care? Are we doing things because we want to serve God? Or are we just doing things to be spiteful and controlling and evil uh, towards our fellow man? I thought you were going to use that moment to tell your joke of, I work four hours a week. (laughs) Four hours a month. Okay. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to overwork you. You need a rest day, don't you? I need a rest. (laughs) Oh, man. No, I completely agree with you. Like we were, I'm reading in James right now and it talks about the rich and the warning to the rich. Well, I believe that's purely based off of righteousness, right? Those who are righteous are going to be blessed by God. They're going to be rich, but where's their heart? It always comes back to the heart. It's always about your heart. Where is your heart? And their heart at the time wasn't in the right spot. Jesus' final uh, argument is the providence of God. And I've mentioned this before, but God has continually worked for our benefit powerfully and completely. And everything that he does, keeping the planets in their orbits, causing the sun to rise, the winds to circulate, tides to ebb and flow. A.B. Bruce just lists one blessing after another. And he says, God's working and Jesus says, and so am I. And what is Jesus doing? Well, he is saving, restoring, and healing. And the custom, the tradition of these Pharisees and their disregard for God's law goes completely against everything that God and his son stand for. And Jesus says, it's going to change. And the whole idea that Jesus kind of just lambasts them uh, for just annihilating the whole intent of that fourth commandment. He says, this has to change. And no wonder my disciples aren't doing those things that you do. No wonder they're not observing all of those minute, tiny details of your interpretation of not working on the Sabbath. Of course they're not going to do it because that's not the intent. And so God's working, so am I. And of course, you can continue uh, as a disciple of Christ. You can uh, follow in Christ's uh, footsteps by saving, restoring, and healing and doing all those things that that God requires of us. And he says, and still uh, practice that rest uh, as far as the spiritual and emotional rest that we need on a weekly basis. Yeah, and I believe that the uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, we were talking off microphone uh, there for a moment on, uh, when is the Sabbath day? Is it on a Saturday or on a Sunday? Like, what is the Sabbath day? And I, I believe that, you know, along with a lot of the Old Testament laws and uh, regulations, obviously they were nailed to the cross. Uh, They were finished. They were completed. Uh, But we as people still need rest. It is still something that we need, and God knows that we need it. It's not something that was just confined to the time uh, frame of the old law, and under the new law we don't have anything like the Sabbath day. Um, I believe we do, and I believe uh, it was changed uh, to uh, Sunday. It was changed to what we now call the Lord's Day, 
Uh, it is something that uh, we use as a rest, a refresh, a, a recentering, a uh, fellowship time, a, a time of worship and thankfulness towards God. It is just through an entire hard week of of work and stress and all these different things, what we should be viewing the Lord's Day as is as what Jesus is describing here, this type of Sabbath, this type of rest and refocus. And if we have that proper mindset when we're looking at uh, Sunday uh, and worship, uh, then we're not going to be looking at it as a bur- as a burden. Uh, looking at it as like, well, you know, I've got to go into Sunday worship and, you know, my... My van's tire was flat this morning, so they've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got you know all these things that I've got to do, and I, it's got and becomes this just well now it's a problem. Well, the, where's your heart? Where's your mindset when we're looking at going to worship? I know uh, mom and dad always used to tell me growing up because I'd always you know complain we got to go you know we got to go on everything you know it's like uh, you know having that type of attitude. No, they always told me it's like no we get to go. We get to go to worship God. We get to fellowship with one another. We get to do these things. It's a blessing. Uh, it's a, you know, maybe Bruce describes, it's a boon. And if we're using it to its proper uh, way that God has designed it, then it, it does recharge and refresh us, and it doesn't strain us and bring us uh, into more uh, uh, burdensome living. Uh, it should be this uh, type of Sabbath that Jesus is describing here. Yeah, and a good test for that, and what I've used on myself, and I've, really, I love tattling on myself. I've failed this test so many times. If you go to worship this Sunday, you sit down, and all of a sudden, the song service doubles, right? And now the preacher just so happens to talk an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Are you going to be upset? Is it going to ruin your day? Is it going to mess things up? Because if it is, well, then where is your heart in worship? That day isn't for us to be like, well, okay, Alec, come on now. We all know that I have something to do. Hey, the line for the, the barbecue joint down the road is getting a little long. You know, I don't want to wait as long to get into the food or maybe my favorite sports team is going to kick off. Hey, let's hurry this up, right? Well, no, where's our heart? Are we singing to God out of thankfulness in worship? Or are we just doing it because we have to do the two songs, you know, opening prayer, announcements, two songs, sermon, two songs, Lord's Supper. Like, if that's your routine, then you're in the same boat, right? And I've been guilty of this. Like, hey, why didn't he sing the first and last verse of that song? Come on, this is taking too long. Does he not know it's 11.15 already? Let's hurry up. Well, where's your heart? As A.B. Bruce closes the chapter here in uh, chapter 7, Uh, the end of page 97 and the last paragraph there on page 98. In order to train good leaders in the church, in order to train these 12 men who are going to be apostles, who are going to be the, the leaders of this first century church, they need to be taught this lesson. Sometimes you will stand alone. Good leaders have to realize that going in. They need to have this, men- this mental mindset, this mindset of, of having this in our heads to say, we will have to stand firm. Paul would write to the saints in Ephesus, he would say uh, three times in, about, in three or four verses, 
Stand firm. Peter and John were arrested in Acts chapter 4, and <clears throat> they uh, stood firm. And the people that arrested them were amazed. A.B. Bruce says they were marveled at their boldness, and they realized something about these men. They had been with Jesus. And so good leaders in the Lord's body are men who will stand firm with Jesus. And it, you may be the only one standing. You may be the last one. You probably aren't, but you may feel like it. And so you have to have that power to bear isolation and the consequences that come with it. Because when you stand against the crowd, against the flow, you're often ridiculed, you're often persecuted, you're often uh, trying, people try to bring you down, but it's like, nope, <clears throat> I'm going to stand firm. And over the years, you can see it happening with Peter when he failed that evening when Jesus was arrested and he denied him three times. And then what do we see throughout his entire life? He was able to stand firm. And each time he got a little stronger, each time he got a little more uh, bold, and each time he stood. And at times he was alone. And finally, at the end, he was alone. And they, uh, the uh, theory is that uh, he was crucified like our Lord, except he said, I'm not worthy to die like he did, so do this, do this to me while I'm inverted, while I'm upside down. It's like, oh. He stood alone. And so good leaders have to understand that. Get, get used to it and stand firm. No matter what happens, no matter what criticism, no matter what, how, how difficult it is, and then it becomes who you are. Yeah, I completely agree with you, George. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there when you said understand. You have to understand to be able to stand out alone. It all starts with why. Why am I holding this line? Why am I standing out here? And sometimes we have to learn that through failure, like Peter. Peter had to keep making mistakes, but eventually he understood why he had to stand firm, even if he was by himself. And I believe that's what we're doing with this study, with these books, is we're finding that understanding of why we have to stay strong in today's age. Yeah, and, and the importance of where we are standing firm. Uh, the three basic lessons of this chapter of fasting, of ritual washings, and now of the Sabbath day observance, where are you standing firm into? Are, are you standing on your own understanding, on your own traditions, on your own, well, this is the way we've always done it, so that's what I'm going to stand firm on. It's like, well, rethink these things. Make sure that where you are standing firm is in the commandments of God, because that is the foundation of where we should be standing. We leave you with these questions. How do you keep the Lord's Day? How do you rest? How do you worship? Are there any changes you need to make in your practice? Is the Lord's Day a joy to you in which you look forward, or is it a burden? Thank you so much for joining us for this week's study. Thank you. <laughs>